Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan since I was about 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So, um, today, today's episode is on Jim Abbott's no-hitter. Um, and uh, before I start with that, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of background on Jim Abbott. Um, Jim Abbott was about six foot three in his playing days, 200 pounds. He obviously was a left-handed pitcher, left-handed thrower, and he even fielded left-handed because, of course, um, as many people know, Jim Abbott only had one hand. Um, um, so what he had to do in order to play the game, and if you read the book Imperfect, which was co-written by Jim Abbott and Tim Brown, who was an author, a baseball writer. Um, they they discuss uh, um, about how Jim Abbott had to work on. Uh, I guess he worked on it with his dad, and they they just all the time they would just do drills just so that Jim Abbott could just uh, learn to throw and catch and field all with the left hand. And to do that, he would have to do the the, the glove trick that he learned from a very young age, obviously, with his dad. And even by himself, just throwing the ball against the wall and getting the 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 glove on his left hand that he had just thrown the ball with quickly onto his, uh, as quick as he can, so that way he could kind of protect himself. Because, um, you know, obviously when you have a ball coming at you, and, and the, the harder it's to hit, you know, and he wa- wanted to be, always wanted to be a professional baseball player. Um, so I mean that I guess that's that's really where that came in. And uh, uh, Jim Abbott, he was from Flint, Michigan. Um, he was born in 1967, and he when he grew up, baseball was the thing to do at that time. So he wanted to be, you know, playing baseball with his friends, and and he didn't want to be labeled. Um, he wanted to just fit in. He didn't want to be known as the one-handed player. Of course, I mean that he kind of stuck out. So Jim Abbott, he didn't want to be labeled. As the one-handed, uh, one-handed player, he wanted to play the game, just like everybody else. And you know, he obviously wanted to be really good at it. And of course, he became really, really good at it. And he even became a number one draft pick for the California Angels. He was a first-round pick, eighth overall in the 1988 draft of um, out of uh, the University of Michigan, which is the college that he went to. Um, he went to high school at Central High School. Jim Abbott, when he was first drafted by the California Angels, he did not um, pitch. He did not pitch at all in the minor leagues. Actually, I believe the manager in the book, anyway, when I read it, the manager Doug Radar uh, of the California Angels, because they were the California Angels and not the Los Angeles Angels um, back in the 1987. Um, but Doug Radar. Did not want. Uh, he didn't want to bring Jim Abbott up because he felt like it was too soon. Jim Abbott was just this young, twenty-year-old, twenty-one-year-old pitcher, and he felt like he had a little bit more more learning to do in the minor leagues. And I guess the Angels just wanted to bring him up. And I don't know if some of that was maybe because of publicity, um, or because he had one hand. I, I don't know, but um, I know that he. Uh, he he didn't really care. He just wanted to go out there and pitch. And his first couple of years with the Angels were very very good. Um, I'll read a couple of those seasons. The first year anyway, he was twelve and twelve. The um, the Angels were a pretty good team. They weren't like they weren't like the the best team in the league in nineteen eighty nine. Um, 
and uh, he had an ERA of 3.92 in 29 starts, which is which is pretty darn good. He was fifth in Rookie of the Year that year in 1989, and his second year not so great with the Angels in 1990, um, but his third year he kind of took off. He was 18 and 11 that year with a 2.89 ERA in 34 starts and 243 innings pitched for the California Angels. Um, so I mean, uh, Jim Abbott was. He he was not he was not he did not have the the career that obviously any pitcher would want to have when they're entering the big leagues. But I mean, it's major league baseball is really hard, um, and Jim Abbott had his moments. He was a he was a very good baseball player, and I think there's a lot of people that actually and and myself included. I always thought that Jim Abbott should be in the Hall of Fame until I read the book Imperfect by Tim Brown and Jim Abbott, and um, that's. I kind of changed a little bit because I, I don't really want I, I think that because I think that Jim Abbott um, he wouldn't want to be in the Hall of Fame recognized uh, for just being a pitcher who pitched with one hand even though what he did was pretty pretty that was, that was pretty great I mean to learn to do that glove trick especially as hard as baseball players hit the ball and for him being a really good fielder and don't, only doing it with one hand I mean that that's incredible. So because uh, baseball is a really hard game, like I mentioned before. Uh, but anyways, um, I'm gonna get into the game where Jim Abbott pitched a no hitter on Saturday, September 4th, 1993, exactly 30 years ago to today, September 4th, 2023. Um, so uh, the Yankees won the game four to nothing. Before the game, the Yankees were 76 and 60, and after the game, they were 77 and 60. The Indians were 65 and 71 after the game, um, but of course now Cleveland is the guardian. So if I say Indians, I mean I really mean Guardians. But obviously, for many years, the Cleveland Guardians were the Cleveland Indians. Uh, so, anyways, uh, they played the Cleveland Guardians, and the um, it was on a Saturday. It was a 1:37 game time. The attendance was 27,125. Uh, for attendance in Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. The game time was 2 hours and 33 minutes. Um, of course, it was a day game. And let me just read you the, the lineup for the Cleveland Cleveland Guardians. Um, of course, back then, was they were the Indians. Um, the center fielder was Kenny Lofton. Center, he, he Obviously, Kenny Lofton became a great player. Um, not, not a Hall of Famer, but was very, very good. Um, although he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, I should say. But I don't. I don't. Um, I think. I think he's actually had ten years uh, to get in. In. Um, but he he hasn't gotten in. Um, however, uh, so they also had uh, Carlos Baerga was a second baseman. Albert Bell was a very good baseball player. Um, kind of had a little bit shorter career, but when he played, he was a he was a very feared hitter in the batter's box. He um, had a lot of power. Randy Milligan, who I vaguely remember, but he was a pretty decent player, had a 287 average at the time. Um, Manny Ramirez, being I think this might have been his rookie year, um, he, he was the DH in the game. And Candy Maldonado, Jim Tomey was the third baseman in this game, Junior Ortiz at catcher. And so they had a pretty good, darn good lineup in some... Obviously, uh, Jim Tomey being a Hall of Famer, Manny Ramirez should have been a Hall of Famer, but he kind of... Uh, you know, kind of, kind of shot himself in the foot with the uh, some of the decisions he made. Unfortunately, because Manny was a great player, 
Candy Maldonado was not a bad player either, from what I remember. I, be I believe I think he was mostly a power type hitter, but um, I don't remember him super well. Albert Bell, I know, was a very, very good player, of course. A very good hitter, anyways. Uh, Carlos Baerga was a very good player at one time. Um, especially this season, he was hitting 317 by this time in September of 1993. Um, he was still very young. Felix Fermin, uh, I think, was mostly known for his glove. And Kenny Lofton was hitting 317 um, before this, or actually after the game. Well, uh, so, I mean, this Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians team, was, you know, was one of the better hitting teams in baseball. Um, and actually, the uh, start before uh, this start that Jim Abbott threw the no-hitter, the start before he faced the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland and... Cleveland, they, they knocked him out early in the game. I think it was like maybe the first or second inning. And Jim Abbott was extremely upset because he pitched horribly. And he wasn't pitching well at all. Um, and I think they I think in the book, the, the book says he, it was like his, the worst start of his career. Or he considered it one of the worst starts of his career. And so to go from that to going to obviously the best game in his career, pitching a no-hitter. Um, you know, that's pretty incredible. That It just shows you how baseball is you, you can never it's it's one of the most difficult games to predict because from game to game like anybody can beat you on any given day um so also another thing about Jim Abbott he did say that he that he 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 didn't pitch the way he wanted to in New York I guess he he really loved New York and he wanted to stay in New York for a really long time so he was kind of uh down about that too I would imagine cuz his ERA at this time he did not have the best of seasons. He was 10 and 11. Um, he really hadn't been pitching that well for the New York Yankees. He had pitched for the Yankees for only two seasons, 93 and 94. Um, the his ERA was 4.37 in 1993 and uh, 4.55 in 1994. So he really didn't pitch as well as he would have liked. Um, of course, he had this one great game. Um, a couple of things I did want to mention to you about the the game and just his preparation, um, and a lot of it's talked about in his book called Imperfect, um, but he also talks about it in interviews. He's actually a motivational speaker now, but one of his routine when he pitched, he he always said he he imagined the word trust was written on top of a, a flagpole. There was a ball on top of a flagpole, and that would help help him to kind of like get back to where he was like he said he needed he needed to trust in his ability and not give the hitters too much credit because I guess a lot of times he would have a lot of self-doubt and he he even admitted he having self-doubt throughout his entire uh, pitching career like not just the majors but every single level college high school and major leagues so um he needed to trust in his ability and not give the hitter so much credit. And, of course, that's even harder when you're facing players that are the best in the world and they don't have a disability like he did. And, obviously, even though he tried to hide the disability and he didn't want people to recognize it, it was still kind of like, he, how can he hide it? I mean, he could put his hand in his pocket, but he can't always keep his hand in the pocket all the time. So, anyways, uh, so that's kind of a little bit more into him. Um, also, he said that the word trust, I guess what that did for him was it reminded him to bring it back to what he did best, which his two best pitches were the fastball and the cutter. 
Um, and so that's what that's something that always worked for him. And he also talked about music being a very uh, a big part of his uh, his preparation to get himself ready to pitch. Um, and I guess jazz music was a big thing for him. Um, uh, the catcher for uh, the September 4th game of 1993 against the Cleveland Guardians, um, of course, formerly the, the Indians, was Matt Noakes. Matt Noakes was a, he was a good pit, good catcher. I talked about him in the last episode. Um, played for the Yankees for quite a few years. Um, he was a good defensive catcher. had some power. Um, the 1993 season, um, as I said, he did not have the best of seasons. Um, but before the game, he was 9-11 uh, with a 4.31 ERA, which isn't not, it's not that bad, but it's not, it's not, like, Jim Abbott, when he was first drafted by the California Angels, he, he was highly touted, like, they thought, the, the Angels thought they had a, a star, they thought they had someone to, um, you know, pitch in the front of their rotation for the rest of the, for, for, for a long time, um, and I would imagine that's why the manager at the time, Doug Radar, wanted uh, Jim Abbott to pitch in the minor leagues for a little bit and kind of hone his skills so that, you know, and, and in the long run, that might have probably would have been very beneficial for him to kind of, you know, get a little more confidence, I guess, against some of these big league hitters. Of course, he did have a really good year. I believe it was 1990, like I mentioned before. Um but moving on to the first pitch of the game, Kenny Lofton. He, of course, the leadoff hitter for many years for the Cleveland, um, formerly the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he threw the uh, the first pitch to Kenny Lofton and actually it hit the backstop. So it was not a great start for Jim Abbott. Um, he, he ended up walking Jim, uh, walking Kenny Lofton as well. So he got off to a pretty bad start, especially considering the horrible start that he had in Cleveland. Just you know, five days prior or five or six days prior to that. Um, uh, but then uh, it went smooth sailing pretty much from then on. He did walk five batters in the game. However, he didn't let up any hits or any runs, of course, being a no-hitter. He threw 69 pitches through five innings, um, and that's an extremely, extremely economical pitch count um, for anybody. Uh, as I said, he was a very good fielder. Um, he was all about, I guess, managing his breathing, throwing a pitch, and trust. That that was the three things that Jim Abbott talks about a lot in his book. And in, um, I think there's even an interview, um, if you go back and if you watch some interviews by Jim Abbott, he talks about the word trust, uh, throwing and just kind of trusting in his pitches and just throwing, executing, um, and just breathing and, and just kind of having that pacing uh, and I know I know he talks a lot about that in his book. So heading into the ninth inning, um, Kenny Lofton actually hit a, he hit a chopper up the middle, and it actually could have gone through. But uh, Mike Gallego, who was the Yankees' second baseman, um, uh, uh, got the ball, um, made a nice play on it uh, at second base, and threw threw Lofton at first base. Lofton actually even bunted on the first pitch, which in the ninth inning, the Cleveland Guardians had no hits. So, you know, most teams, they want to just try to get a runner on any way they can. But at the same time, though, too, a lot of um, a lot of the times when a, a pitcher is pitching a no-hitter, it's kind of some pitchers just, they, they consider, like, some pitchers might even hit the batter if you try to bunt on them. Like someone like Nolan Ryan 
However, Jim Abbott kind of understood because, you know, Cleveland was just trying to find a way to get a runner on and runner in scoring position because the game was only four to nothing. So it wasn't that it wasn't like the Yankees were uh, blowing them out or anything. Uh, but anyways, they ended up getting Loftin out on the chopper to the second baseman Mike Gallego, and then the next batter was Felix Fermin, the shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Um, he had a fly ball to Bernie Williams, who made a nice running catch um, heading. Out to left center field, he was running towards the wall, um, made a nice catch out there. And then the third batter was Carlos Baerga, good young second baseman for the uh, then Cleveland Indians. Um, he grounded out in the hole to the shortstop. And the hole, if you're not familiar with baseball, when someone says you the uh, the batter grounded out in the hole to the shortstop, that's uh, in between the sec the third baseman and the shortstop. Um, uh, Velarde made a nice pick. Uh, getting the ball um, and off the ground and then he kind of had to stop himself uh, get himself in a good strong throwing position um, and planted his feet and made a nice throw and he got Carlos Baerga out and that was it that was the no hitter um, and actually I had learned from watching an interview recently on Jim Abbott um, and it was uh interview by Michael Kay on uh, the Center Stage show, which was broadcast on the Yes Network. And actually, Don Mattingly even said that he had goosebumps uh, throughout that entire ninth inning or the last two innings, I guess he had goosebumps. Um, and I, I had I had learned, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting because and Don Mattingly, he had played in, in, I mean, he had never played in a postseason game. A great player like Don Mattingly, who, who had had a lot of, a lot of great seasons, um, even for someone like him to have goosebumps and to kind of uh, be nervous, like um, you know, that that shows you what it meant to those Yankee players, just to, you know, because they obviously loved having Jim Abbott on the Yankees. Um, anyways, uh, one quote that I just find from Jim Abbott, he said that just because you do things a little bit differently doesn't mean you can't do things just as well. So, in my opinion, Jim Abbott is he's an inspiration to anyone, not just. That's it. Obviously, he's uh, especially an inspiration to those with disabilities, but he's an inspiration to anyone just for overcoming anything like that. Uh, like, we all have things to overcome. So, that um, another thing, too, about the no hitter was his favorite athlete, which I also learned from an interview uh, that I watched him in. Uh, his favorite athlete, he said, was Nolan Ryan. And. Um, Nolan Ryan pitched seven no hitters. So just for that one, for that one day, he had a he had a game. You could say just as good as Nolan Ryan. Um, and um, don't get me wrong, Jim Abbott, he had a lot of talent. And who knows if he had had some minor league experience with the California Angels when he was first, uh, instead of being brought up um, right out of uh, right out of the gate when he was drafted. Um, that then maybe he would have been even better and had a had a great career, but regardless, he still had a very good career. Um, I guess he he did mention in the book of, of, about there's this uh, a baseball player named Pete Gray who actually played back in I think it was 1914. Well, actually, yeah, no, he he was born in 1914, but he played like in the early days. And Pete Gray, um, he actually fell off the running board of a produce wagon and mangled uh, mangled his forearm in the spokes of it and of course he lost part a big, a big part of his arm and that was only when he was six years old so he 
he, I guess Jim Abbott, though, he never wanted to be like Pete Gray. He always wanted to be like someone like Nolan Ryan, who was his favorite player. Um, so I always, I always found that to be kind of inspiring, and and that, and, and I feel like that's always a great way to be because you should always want to, want to like, have somebody to aim for, like, like not really aim for, but you want to have somebody to, to you, you just want to, you, you always want to do better than you think you can. And um, Jim Abbott, actually, in college, he was one of the best college pitchers, maybe even in the in the game in, in college. And that's why he pitched in the Pan Am games for the USA team. Um, and uh, so he, he was, obviously, first-round draft pick, eighth overall. They, he actually, he says that he still has his pitching rubber, which was signed by the entire Yankees team, the 1993 Yankees team, and the home plate umpire as well. They actually dug out the pitching rubber uh, from that game and gave it to him, signed it, all the Yankees signed it and stuff. Um, another thing I did mention about, uh, um, going back to what I said about him being an inspiration, and he really, really was, but this kind of solidifies it even more for me, is that he was actually released March 31st in 1997 by the Anaheim Angels because... After 94, he left the Yankees, and I think he went to the Milwaukee Brewers, or... No, he went to... I think he went back to the Angels, actually. But anyways, um, skipping ahead, he went... He was released on March 31st, 1997, by the Anaheim Angels, signed as a free agent with the Chicago White Sox on May 27th, 1998. So, he had spent basically a full year, even a little bit more than a full year away from baseball he didn't play in the minors or the majors until you know he signed with the White Sox the next year in May um and you know he gave it his all and he played another two more years and I think after the White Sox he played with the Milwaukee Brewers and um I um actually another thing about Jim Abbott too which is pretty incredible was that he was actually a very very good hitter in college I think he hit like 400 or over 400 or something like that. Anyway, so 1996, the year before he was released, was the first time that he played a minor league baseball game. And this was actually, the he said, the hardest time in his career. But he also said it was also, he kind of liked it too because it was, he, he needed it. Like, like he felt like he needed it. He could have used his that time in the minor leagues earlier in his career and he would have been better off um, because obviously he would have been able to hone his skills more and got more confidence, and at this at this time when he was in the minors, it was a little bit more depressing, I guess, because he was 30 years old or 29 years old, I think, at that time, and you know. But however, he still, um, he still he when a player goes to the minor leagues, especially going to AAA, and they were already in the majors, they want to get back to the majors. That's their goal, and obviously that's what Jim Abbott wanted to do, and he never gave up as he never did and um because Jim Abbott was you know he definitely was one of the most inspirational pitcher pitchers if not the most inspirational pitcher um in in major league baseball that I can that, that he's probably the most inspirational that I can think of really I mean and I'm sure there's others that are just as inspirational and getting back to Pete Gray cuz I really didn't know a whole lot about this guy he was a uh, 6 foot 1 so he was a little shorter he was actually an outfielder. Um, he only fielded with his left hand as well because his right hand, um, he didn't even have a right arm, actually, because he lost it in that accident. Um, 
But he did not have nearly the career that Jim Abbott had. He only hit 218 in his career, had only 234 at-bats. Um, of course, he played back in 1945 for the St. Louis Browns. Um, he only played in one season for them as well. Jim Abbott, um, if you go to uh, Jim Abbott's career, he actually played like 10 seasons. And if you play 10 seasons in Major League Baseball, that's that's uh, that, that's definitely something to that's a great achievement for anybody. Not that alone, someone with this, a disability, it's a great, it's great for, for for anyone just to play in the major leagues. And he also he almost won a hundred games, but he did play for some pretty bad Angels teams. Um, and also he did the Yankees in '92 or '93 and '94. Well, '94 they were actually a lot better. They were a first place team, but '93 they were still kind of finding their way. Um, so they weren't quite the team that. Um, that may, maybe if he had played on some better teams, he would have had 100 wins. Um, he also had a 4.25 ERA in his career. Um, but anyways, that's basically the gist of the no-hitter for Jim Abbott. Uh, Jim Abbott was an inspirational pitcher, pitched a great game for the uh, Yankees on September 4th, 1993. Um, just to go through his line score, he pitched nine innings, no hits, no runs, five walks, um, which, which of course, walks wasn't so great. But I mean, he just, just uh, that just kind of shows you he was able to pitch out of trouble, and um, you know, he actually uh, threw 119 pitches as well. Um, but anyways, so I just want to thank you again for listening, everybody. Before I let you go, I just want to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater Time Machine, Free Your Geek, Psych Your Crime, and a bunch of other streamers and podcasters. You can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information. Once again, thank you for listening, everybody, and as always, Go Yankees!